seat, please stand. We're going to start our morning off with some worship. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? The shame's on all the ceiling. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way. Amen. Woo. 
he is a life changer, is he not? Man, I was 16 years old. And, uh, and I remember the experience. I'll never forget it. I hate to call it an experience because it's not one and done. But at that football camp, coming to that altar and having that guy explain that to me, it's nothing I ever heard before. And it, was, it changed my life. Unfortunately, sadly, for Lord, but uh, delayed. It took me several years to, to find the depth of Jesus' love for me beyond just what I heard. But he is a life changer, is he not, Brother Stephen? Amen. So many of us in here, uh, powerful testimonies of the life-changing ability of Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that can change our lives. Uh, this world will do everything it can to try to change your life for its gain, for its purpose. But only Jesus can change you for the glory of his name and who and what he is. Uh, we had the privilege of that. Brother Lloyd called me yesterday afternoon, excited as he always is. Uh, love it. He's straight to the point. He had the opportunity to let Jesus, to be used by Jesus to change someone's life. He got to share the gospel with the sweet lady. She bowed her head, accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. <laughs> Guys, that's what it's all about. It's not about just assembling here today. We assemble here today to emphasize Christ, to empower ourselves with the gospel and through the gospel that we can go out and share this life-changing thing. Charles Spurgeon has a very powerful quote, uh, probably butchering it a little bit, but, but the gist of the message is he says that if uh, the salvation's not important to you and your purpose in life, you may want to question your own salvation. And it's like, whoa, that's kind of bold. You know, how dare you to challenge my salvation? I think there's a lot of truth in that. If we're not compassionate about somebody else hearing what we know changed our life, wow. If we truly understand who and what Christ is, how selfish for us not to want somebody else to know that. And so Spurgeon's statement, while you know, in our face, so to speak, and direct, I think is very appropriate in a lot of ways. Don't miss an opportunity to share with others the one that changed your life. Amen? Amen. So we rejoice over that this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, we're honored to have you with us. Uh, always, Richard's online. So let him know you're there. Bottom right corner, there's a prayer tab. We want to be praying for you. It's private. It's secure. It goes to one source. So feel free to let us know how we can be a blessing to you. Any questions about today's service, reach out. But thank you for joining us. Few announcements. Uh, good news: our sister uh, Vicky uh, was released from the hospital, and uh, so they got uh, her seizures under control, and now she is back home. So we rejoice over that. I'm sure they're probably joining us, but uh, we're thank you for the prayers. Continue to pray about that. Uh, far as prayers, continue to keep uh, Charlotte and Terry in prayer. Uh, their mother was uh, she's back at uh, Legend, so she was in the hospital and ICU. Challenges there, but also their grandson uh, Callan. Uh, went through surgery Thursday. It was very successful. They got the trach in him, uh, and then they induced him into a uh, temporary coma. And so Terry, a week, two weeks, how long will he be there? About a week he'll be in the induced coma. So keep Callan in prayers and, uh, uh, and uh, just look for Terry and Charlotte's post. They, they do a great job of keeping us up to date, but please keep them in prayers along with my sister and others. Amen. Uh, real quick, yesterday was Veterans Day. We uh, did it on Sunday, but if you would, if you are a veteran 
and any of our military branches, please stand this morning. And we want to tell you how much we appreciate you and thank you. God bless you. Thank you for serving. And, and uh, a lot of us still have uh, loved ones in the military, so we appreciate them as well. Uh, other things coming up, we got our Thanksgiving uh, feast, or I say feast. It's always a feast when I get to eat Thanksgiving. So uh, that'll be Sunday after our morning service. So once we wrap up our morning service, we'll gather in the fellowship hall or wherever you want to eat, and we'll have a great time there. There are sign-ups in the lobby. If you have not had a chance to sign up, stop by and see Ashley and Ben. They'll be in the lobby after service again. So uh, stop by and see how you can be a blessing there. And then we will have our, coming up, we have our night of praise, or what we call our praise service. That will be, remember, we do it on Tuesday. A lot of folks are got family in town or going out of town, so we cancel Wednesday night service. So make your calendar, make note of that. We won't be meeting on the 22nd. So on Tuesday the 21st, we will gather in here. No songs, it's just a night of praise. And there'll be individuals that come up and just share testimony how God's worked through their lives over this last year, and we just rejoice with them. And so join us for that. Yeah, it's not long. We just spend 45 minutes or an hour, but we just get to rejoice over God's goodness and the transformation he's making in people's lives. So know to that. Wednesday night service is going great. I know uh, we said it before just one last time. We have temporarily suspended our Wednesday night dinners we're doing because of the holly, you know, the fall months. And uh, we'll uh, revisit that the first of the year, but we'll still be having... Uh, Wednesday night service at 7, other than praise night. And then a uh, couple of things here. We have a birthday today and another one this week. Where are you at, Dahlia? There's Dahlia on the back row back there. So today is Dahlia's birthday. And uh, she told me her age, but I won't share. I won't tell anybody. They'll just have to guess, Dahlia. Oh, but then also Jennifer's is Thursday, I believe. Is that a true rumor? All right. Jennifer Thursday, so if we can get some birthday music and we'll sing with them and I wish them a happy birthday. Those online, I apologize. I didn't mute myself. You had to hear my singing, but that's all right. Gentlemen, if y'all come forward, we'll pray over our service this morning. You okay? I just want to uh, also keep my family in prayer. Who knows the Lord and is with him now? not dealing with that no more. She's completely 100%. She was with the Lord. Hallelujah. And uh, keep my family in your prayers. Lord, we thank you for everything you do in your life. 
We thank you for all that you're going to do, Lord. We thank you for this gathering that we can get here today and, and, and praise you and hear your word, Lord, and, and use that word in our lives to transform our lives into who you want us to be, Lord. We thank you for all that you do with the blessings that you give us bestow upon us, Lord, and that we are able to give back to your people, Lord. We thank you for what you do for us, Lord. And just uh, let us hearts be open to the word today, Lord, so we can uh, we can put it to our lives. Everlasting. 
things I love about this song not only is it scriptural but it's the fact that it exposes me when you see anything good or anything about Jesus in me that's all Jesus 
when you see the ugly and the bad and, and the humanity, that's all dead. And I love that he gives us the opportunity to pull his mind more into our mind and to try to be like him more. And it's not our strength. He made it foolproof. It's his strength. Because in my strength, I'm a wrecking ball. And, I, and I, I don't say that bragging. I say that to my own hurt and my own heart pain. But in his strength, I get to do things that I still walk around like, God, I can't believe that happened. I got to have a three-hour conversation with somebody yesterday about Christ who was struggling greatly. And I've been down that road. And <coughs> I wasn't supposed to be in my home office on a Saturday. But this event popped up, had one week's notice, and I had to be there, and another team member was there. And instead of getting ahead on work, we did God's work. And that is not me. That is God. Because for me, I plan to go there and get ahead and work. But God had other plans. And we never know where God will use us and when he'll use us. It might be a sentence at the gas station. It might be a good morning at church. It could be anything. But if we're available to it, lives are changed. And never in the history of the world have we needed the light of Christ more. So humbly, I say this. See what you need exposed. See where your weaknesses are. And he'll bring in his strength to them. And serve him in the smallest of things because he says little is much when he's in it. So let's just come to the altar and, and ask him to help us find those places and those times.
this morning. This is from Renee Rohair. 
and she wanted to say thank you, Covenant Fellowship family, for hosting John's memorial. Memorial, it was so perfect. A big thank you to the ladies for the wonderful meal provided by all of you. John had a lot of family, and uh, your graciousness towards all uh, in sharing Jesus and showing Jesus's love with them. Thank you. Uh, mentions a couple names for us making it uh, so special. Uh, all my love, Renee. So just continue to keep her in prayer and we've been uh, her and I have been working diligently trying to find her a church home out there and made a few calls for and talked to a few pastors so we're just pray that God leads her where he wants her and uh, in the meantime I think she's been joining us. I don't know if she's online this morning or if she's trying to church but either way keep her in, in prayers as God continues to lead her and guide her. Uh, this morning, we're going to start in Genesis. First of all, I want to ask for your forgiveness, and I apologize for last Sunday. Uh, I got caught up in the message, speaking to Zedekiah, and I used Hezekiah as a reference, and then I got stuck on Hezekiah finishing out my message. So uh, please forgive me on that. I apologize. I hope I didn't confuse you. I hope it didn't distort the truth, but uh, uh, I'm a work in progress, so thank you for your patience over that, but I do apologize. I'll try to keep us on track today. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll go ahead and jump into this, and I think this is going to be beneficial to every single one of us. Uh, so Father, we thank you again this morning, and uh, we just rejoice over your faithfulness, your spirit that it works so freely through this church and through each individual. We ask that you anoint the words that are spoken this morning, prepare our hearts for your truth. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Destiny. We say destiny, we, we think about all see direction, where we're heading. Uh, there was a, uh, uh, I saw this joke, you'll like this. He said, what do you call a canine without any direction? A werewolf. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so our title this morning is Destiny, but we consider destiny, whose are you following? We have two fairly prominent individuals in the Bible. We're going to look at, we see a drastic contrast between the destiny that they chose to follow. And uh, so let me say, give you this quote here. There's an ever-present heart within man, you and I. There's an ever-present heart that dwells within us. And, and the problem is it has a, it, there's this perpetual temptation that we battle with in the flesh and what that temptation is, is fighting not to accelerate our own destiny. If you don't think you have it, you're, you're being deceived by yourself and by Satan. It dwells within us. Uh, you know, there's that, you know, we've been taught before, this traveler that's always with us, that, that's always there, tapping us on the shoulder and saying, hey, we can get there faster. If we choose this fat path, you can get to where you want to be a lot faster. But there's a problem, or not a problem, something we've got to keep in mind when it comes to our destiny. It will be defined. It will play out, and it will reveal itself, but it's either going to be destructive or it's going to be constructive. And that will solely depend on who's leading you or what you're being led by. Amen? We're going to illustrate this. We're going to start off. I want to look at the life of Sarah. If you know a little bit about Sarah and Abraham, 
and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity that she was faced with and when Jesus appeared to Abraham outside his tent. Let's look at Genesis 16, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, Hagar, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah for whatever reason he did. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. After Abraham had dwelt uh, ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband and Abraham to be his wife. It's interesting, it doesn't take long. You can just jump to chapter 4. We see how this played out for Sarah. You can tell Sarah didn't put a whole lot of thought into this. She also acted very emotionally. And, and really, we didn't see really bring it to God. Because it goes on to say in verse 4, And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, this would be Sarah, saw that Hagar conceived, her mistress was what? Despised in her eyes. It was like a New York minute, as they say. And now Sarah was bent out of shape. Keep this in mind. Sarah hated, or hatred towards Hagar was very similar, actually almost identical to Hannah's towards Paneah. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. We know that Hannah's womb was barren. Hannah could not have children. And yet there's a sharp distinction, a contrast, so to speak, between Sarah and Hannah we need to grasp this morning. One, Hannah remained in prayer. We'll find out. We'll see in Scripture. She remained in prayer, impatient with the Lord's will for her life. Let's look at Samuel 1, 18. And we're going to look at verses 18. We're going to go all the way through 20, Mark, if you can. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up morning early, and did what? Worshipped before the Lord in return, and came to the house of Rama uh, and to El- Elkanah, or Elkanah, and uh, knew Hannah his wife. And the Lord remembered her, her her prayers. He asked, she asked of Eli the priest. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was what? Come, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Now watch this. Saying, because I have asked, what? Of who? Of the Lord. So here's Hannah. Uh, other women in, in, in the group, in the clan, was having children, bearing sons. She could not have a son. Her, her womb was, was barren or you know, sold up for some reason. So she comes to Eli. She asks for mercy and asks Eli for guidance and to pray. And so Eli informs her that, you know, go on, go about your way, live your life, and the Lord will attend to you in your time. Now notice the vast difference right there. If you go back and you know as we do the story of Sarah, Jesus had already appeared to Abraham in the wilderness in the desert. And they, they sacrificed for, for Jesus, made a meal, and then Jesus says, where's your wife? And he says, she's in the tent. Jesus didn't need for her to come out, pray over her, lay hands. He said, 
just, hey, I want to let you know, I know your situation, you're praying about a child, tell Sarah, your wife, you're going to have a child. So Sarah got the same news that Hannah received, but yet they responded completely different. In Sarah's case, she failed in her patience in the Lord. Go back to Genesis 18.1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mar, and he sat at the tent of the door in the heat of the day. And he told Abraham what was coming. Sarah's going to get what she wants. She's going to get what I promised her would come. But if you go on and read through verses 9 and 10, you notice Jesus used the same promised words that were spoken through Eli to Hannah. Let's look at these. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 1.19. It says, and they said, uh, and they rose early in the morning, and they did worship before the Lord and returned and came there to the house of Ramah. Eli knew Hannah, his wife. In verse 1, it says, wherefore, we're trying to get to 19 here. Let's go back to 19, Mark. I'm sorry. And they rose in the morning and worshiped. And it says, uh, I may have the wrong verse for you. I apologize. Verse Samuel 1, it says, wherefore it came to pass when the time was come. And this was God's promise. God says, I will appear to you in my time, in my way. I will come to you, and you will have and be with child. Also, the emphasis there is whose timing is this? It's the Lord's timing. It's the Lord's timing that deals with our patience. And so if you look at the, at the words that Jesus had promised, the destiny he had even for Sarah and Abraham back in Genesis 18.10, he says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the, to the time of life. So God gave the same promise to both ladies. And both promises were predicated on whose timing? God's timing. Neither one of the ladies had any input or say so when God's time was going to come about in their lives. But did they not both receive the same promise? They got the exact same promise they both dealt with God's timing. God's promised destiny was going to come about in His perfect timing. We get so far or get above our spiritual pay grade when it comes to God's timing in our life versus our timing. This is this perpetual promise that, that raises or rears this ugly head in our lives through our flesh that when things are not working on our time frame, when it's not working on our schedule, while we read and cleave to the promises of God, we become impatient in those promises because those promises aren't on our schedule. They're on God's schedule. When you look at these, Hannah held to the promised destiny the Lord had for her. It says, once she got the news, she, it says her countenance, her attitude, her, she was sad no more, the Scripture said. She was sad no more because she heard the promise, and the very next morning she got up and worshipped. She worshipped for the fact that now she was at peace, she was joyful by her faith because she had humbly come before the, you know, the priest, before God. She got her answer. She says, my job now is just to worship. I worship till God's timing comes about. And Hannah was fine with that. She had no problem whatsoever. It was Sarah that we don't read and said, hey, well, let's worship. Let's rejoice. No, Sarah says, 
Nah, I'm too old for this. And we're going to see in Scripture, she scoffed at God. Scoffed at God's promise and says, I don't know what the Lord's saying. Somehow he's forgotten how old I am. This can't come about. I tell you what we're going to do, Abraham. I want you to take my handmaid. The truth this morning is understanding that the Lord has a destiny. He has a direction. He has a purpose for every single one of us. And it's a divine promise for our lives, for each of us. But the question we must determine and be honest with this morning, are we living as a Hannah? Are we able to take these promises with no matter what we're struggling in life, are we able to take these promises that would address our need, our countenance, our struggles, our hopelessness, are we able to take these promises and take them to heart just like Hannah and get back to worship? Or do we walk like a Sarah? Now, there's no way that promise is going to work out for me. What if it doesn't? I don't have time to wait. If I wait too long, then this is going to probably happen. Then this will probably happen. And we give up on the promise, and then what we do, then our flesh takes over, and we accelerate our own destiny over the Lord's promise in our life. That's the only two choices we have. We remain humble in the Lord's promises and His perfect timing, and we worship in that, rejoice, celebrate, or we become fleshly and become impatient and start choosing our own destiny on our own schedule. We can only choose one or the other. So where does impatience come from? Where does this impatience rear its ugly head in our lives? Impatience grows out of our unwillingness to trust and submit to the Lord's timing in our lives. Plain and simple. That's all impatience is. We cannot stand on the Word of God. We cannot stand on the promises that come forth through the Scriptures that apply to every need we have in our lives. We cannot stand on that comfortably, humbly, and still remain in worship. Instead, we become impatient because of our unwillingness to trust in those promises. Thus, we don't submit to it resulting in succumbing to the temptation of accelerating thus our own destiny, as we said, opposed to the Father's. It comes about because we start dealing and facing things we can't control. That's when our impatience really comes to the surface. When we really deep down inside start becoming fearful that this situation is developing into a, 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 a size or a, a situation that we can no longer control. As long as we can control it, we're okay. I got my hands around it. I can control it, the people involved, my own lives. But when this starts growing, the season we're in, the challenge we're in, the tribulation we're dealing with, when we see that it's outside of our control, that's when we really start panicking. And we start making decisions in the flesh out of fear. Impatience is a child, catch this, impatience is a child of our pride and our unbelief. It arises out of our frustration that we don't or can't control what happens when and where in our lives. We saw this play out in the wilderness with the children during the Exodus. Look what it tells us in Numbers 21, 4 and 5. And when they had journeyed from the mount, uh, Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, 
And the soul of the people was much discouraged because on the way, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul longeth this light bread. Even after they, God had delivered them from Egypt, after their years, 400 years of praying to God for this deliverance, when God comes through and miracle after miracle unfolds in their lives, they get to a point in the wilderness that even though God's providing every need they have day by day, manna falling from the sky before them every morning, God provided everything, and now they get to the point of murmuring against God in anger with Moses. To the point, they would rather accelerate their destiny, give up on God's promise of the promised land. They'd rather accelerate their own destiny and go back to the very bondage they came from. Because they think it might be better in the long run for them. Don't know about this so-called promised land. What if we don't make it to the promised land? What if we face this and that and enemies and get attacked to kill? Go back to Egypt. At least we can die in old age. We get food and shelter there. They accelerated their own destiny. Why? Because the life that God had promised them, the promised land, and the kind of life they really wanted wasn't coming about fast enough for them. All believers, every single one of us this morning, we struggle with the same temperament. Before we throw the Israelites under the so-called wagon wheel, whatever, chariot wheel, we have that same temperament within us in our flesh. And it's this. We're faithful. We are faithful to the promise. We're just not faithful to the process. We buy into the promise. We want the promise of God. We want all the goodness God has for us, the deliverance, the protection, the provision. We're all on board for that. Where we fail is we give up on the process to get there. Because it doesn't fit our timing. It doesn't fit our choice. So they grew angry. They grew impatient so much they began to long for the cruelty of the Pharaoh that they prayed for God to deliver them from. This impatience in the Father's destiny for our lives stems, or, or stems from doubt. And doubt comes from an arrogance. Don't know if you've ever correlated the two. Doubt comes from arrogance or pride that the Father can't and will not do what he promised. What it is. It's a form of pride that comes out of us by way of doubt. We think it's not our sin because we just have a little bit of doubt. No, it's pride. It's pride because our doubt doesn't think God can do what God promised he would do. How can we be so arrogant in the flesh? But we do. This combination of arrogance coupled with doubt is what Sarah spoke of in Genesis 18:12. Sarah laughed within herself. That word laugh is a Hebrew word. It means to mock, scoffed at. I don't know if she heard God in the tent, Jesus, speaking to Abraham, her husband. Maybe when Abraham came in and told her, but Sarah gave a response like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. We can't have that response to the promises of God's word. 
Well, you can't go, <laughs> yeah, right, sounds good. Works for everybody else. It won't work for me. I don't have time to wait to see if that comes about. I got to go. I got to move. I got to make decisions. We can't be a Sarah. We need to be a Hannah. Again, when life interrupts what we had planned, when we're forced to wait, how do we respond? Nothing wrong with planning your day. No, it's not a problem with planning tomorrow. Plan all you want to, but as we say, just don't plan on being there. Don't get over-concerned about your plans. Your, I mean, lay them out all you want to. Nothing wrong with looking for tomorrow. Just don't plan on being there. If you keep that in perspective, then you won't put so much emphasis on tomorrow. You'll focus on the promises of today and live in the day that the Lord has given you. Well, what about tomorrow? Hey, the same God you're depending on today, guess what? Same God tomorrow. He'll be there tomorrow when you wake up. Be like Hannah. Wake up and start with worship. Well, when's that promise coming about? I don't know, but God promised it. I do know this. Well, I do not know. I do know it'll be his perfect timing. So what do I do in the meantime? Worship. How simple Hannah says she was no longer sad. She wasn't sad that her womb was barren. Why? Because she had a promise of God. God never told her when, just says in my time. Sarah, or Hannah says, that's all I need. I just need the promise of God, and I'm going to worship over that. Impatient tries to wrestle control from God. That's all we're doing when we're impatient. We're wrestling with God. While patience humbly kneels with hands spread wide in worship like Hannah, ready to receive all that God has planned. Whereas impatience scoffs like Sarah. While patience rejoices like Hannah. So I'm going to look at three things. When I found out, we're going to be done. They're very short. Three promises we have in scriptures that we can learn how to respond like a Hannah. That we can hold to the promise of God and let that suffice, let that strengthen us. In the meantime, worship, waiting for his perfect timing in our life. First thing we see in scriptures, humility subverts impatience. Humility is simply admitting how little we can see in any given moment in our life. However difficult or inconvenient the situation is, humility says, I am so limited in what I see and what I know. The best we can do is preconceive what might happen. That turns to fear. God's doing, who knows, 10,000, 100,000, million things in our life every moment. And probably at best, we might be aware or knowledgeable to one or two of them. But just because you can't see it, because it's not unfolding in our lives, because we don't have this abundance of peace over us, doesn't mean that God's not working His timing and His destiny for our lives. He's just asking us to hold the path, hold the course. I'm sovereign. I'm in control here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Stay the path with all lowliness and meekness and what? Ah, long-suffering. Forbearing one another in love. 
Humility fosters the kind of patience that love requires. Scripture here says, Paul's saying, in all long-suffering, love patiently. Love with humility. Every truly loving relationship is an exhibition in patiently bearing with one another because our sin both makes us difficult to love and keeps us from loving or being lovable ourselves. God has to be long-suffering and patient with us. We're difficult to deal with. You don't think so? Ask people around you. We're all difficult to deal with. Thank goodness God is long-suffering and patience. Thing is, are we humble towards that? Are we understanding of who and what we are? Are we understanding how we act like Sarah's too many times and not enough like Hannah? Do we admit that our doubt is a form of pride in our lives? Pride in direct contrast to humility that God calls us to. We got to get out of doubt. We got to get out of pride. We got to get out of wrestling with God over the situation and the direction and the destiny he has through this. And we just need to simply humble ourselves to the one that's sovereign that has everything in the palm of his hands and controls time perfectly. I think all the time, how many times to God's blessings have come to my life and I wasn't there when the blessing came because I was a day, a week, a month, or a year ahead of God. can't believe God didn't answer that, my prayer. I can't believe God made me go through that. I can't believe I had to suffer this or suffer that. I think, I know myself, I'm very confident I get to heaven when all's made known, I'm going to realize that God had no intentions for me to go through that. The blessing was there. I was over here because I was impatient. I prayed, I prayed. I've been praying for two or three days. Oh, two or three days. I've been real faithful. I've been praying for a week. I've endured for a month. That's enough, God. Things are still going downhill. Things aren't getting better. I can't take this anymore. I prayed. You heard my prayer. I'm going on. And the very next day, how do we don't know God's promise showed up? And we're somewhere else. Chasing our own destiny. Humility subverts impatience. Number two, faith subverts impatience. If humility subverts impatience, and it does, by admitting how little we can see in the midst of our trials, faith subverts impatience by holding firm to God's promises. Even when life calls them into question. Look at James 5, 7 through 8 with me. Be what? Patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the handmaid waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until you receive the, uh, the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Don't venture off. Don't go anywhere. God's coming. God's going to show himself. God's going to reveal himself. God's going to keep his word. Why? Because he's sovereign. He's in control of everything. Why would we venture away from the one that controls everything in the palm of his hands? And think we're going to mastermind our own destiny. Think of a farmer. 
don't know if this is correct English, farming well requires waiting well. And so does living well. Faith trusts that God is both sovereign and good, that all of his promises are true in Christ, that suffering produces endurance, the scriptures tell us, that Jesus will return and he'll make all things new. And so we can afford to wait. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. You don't understand. I don't need to. Because I know God knows. And a lot of times we don't even know ourselves. Everything we get in or become impatient about is on preconceived thoughts of what we think is going to happen. And it's not even reality. It never comes about. Never rear its head. The problem we're fearful of that we think this path is going, we never get there if we would stay patient in God. Look at Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in what? Well-doing. Being faithful, staying obedient. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Go back to James chapter 5. We stopped at verse 8. Look what it says in verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble against yourself, your own spirit. Just as a farmer tarries long with the soil, the climate, he tolls in the promise of the destiny that will come forth out of the ground. God will raise the crop in his perfect timing, in his perfect way, to his full abundance for you. Don't become disgruntled. Don't become angry with God. Don't become bitter in your situation. Don't start taking it out on others like the Israelites. Understand what God promised you he's going to take you. Plant in the seed with the seed of faith. Plant it in the soul of your heart. Plant it in the promise of God and water it daily through worship. Let God bring the increase in his perfect time. Don't demand the crop you want. And number three, joy submits or subverts, excuse me, impatience. Humility and faith, however, are not just trusting in verses, but following or, you know, or overflowing with joy in the promise that it holds. Colossians 1.11 Strengthen with all might according to the glorious power unto all patience and all longsuffering with what? Joyfulness. That doesn't mean go to worship. I showed up at church. I came to altar. altar I'm praying. How long, God? All right, I'll come back Wednesday night. I was here Wednesday night and listening to Brother Brad, Brother Todd. There's another worship I was at. Where are you at, God. No, that's not worshiping in joyfulness. We worship in knowing the promise is coming, not demanding when the promise comes. Don't come to the altar here. Don't go to the altar of your knees. Don't go in prayer to God demanding a, a, a time frame. Just worship with joyfulness and long-suffering and patience. The patient isn't those who can bottle up their emotions. That doesn't mean patience. doesn't mean those who can just keep a tight lip, always look smiling, and be distressed on the inside. 
It's not a faking of joy. It's a true joy. It's not secret gum, you know, grumblers. Instead, patience that flows from the wells of joy. Knowing their humble, faithful, and joyful patient produces the Father's promised destiny in their lives. That's what it comes to. This is what Hannah was able to do. She humbly came before the Lord. She prayed. She lifted up her heart. She prayed that God would open her womb and bring about a child. Fair for any woman at that time. Same as today. But there was a lot more cultural pressure at that time on Hannah than on women today. It was imperative that as the nation grew, that, that they bring about an heir. And Hannah knew that. And yet her, her, her womb was barren, so she went and she humbly submitted herself before God to ask something that was beyond reasonable. And then when she got word that it would come in the right time, she remained faithful. She went about doing what she was supposed to do, and she worshiped with joyfulness in the promise that God had given her. Hannah never demanded a moment from God. She was content and joyful with the promise of God. Sarah had the exact same promise, had the exact same time, God's time that Hannah had, and Sarah scoffed, mocked God. God must be out of his eternal mind to think, I'm going to have a child at this age. We're not waiting, Abraham. Head off with my handmaid, Hagar. We know the results. We know what that brought about. In Hannah's case, it brought about a beautiful thing. It brought about the birth of Samuel one of God's greatest prophets. A man that God used in a mighty way. That brought, you know, led to David and led to the lineage of Christ. We know nothing against Hagar. We know by Sarah's actions to give up on God's promise in God's time, Sarah, or uh, Hagar brought about Ishmael. the very people that are a plague and a thorn in Israel's side today. Samuel, Ishmael. Hannah, Sarah. We've got to be careful accelerating our own destiny just because we're not joyful about God's timing and so prideful that we think, God may not be able to handle this. I need to help. I know what's best. I know what I need to do. I know how this will work out for me. I'll say it again and close with this. Recall Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, 18, 19. Upon the promise from Eli, it says she was no longer sad and she worshiped. The patient are too are too joyful in God's promises to be tempted to control their own destiny. See, if we have humility, true humility, and we have true faith, and we live in it, and we're joyful in the promise of God, then our flesh doesn't easily lead us astray to our own 
accelerated destiny. We're able to find our joy and peace in the simple fact that God promised it. And we rejoice until that day comes. And when it does, if it's God's promise being fulfilled in his time, it will be the greatest blessing that ever came upon your life at that moment. Why? Because God ordained it, God timed it, and you'll benefit from it. Amen? Sarah or Hannah? We need more Samuels. We don't need more Ishmaels in our life. Be patient in God. Don't accelerate your own destiny. Follow the destiny God has for you in his perfect time. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the power of your word and these two ladies that are so illustrative of our life today. That uh, it's a simple decision. Either we live and walk like Hannah, who came boldly before your throne, lifted up her hearts, the, the weight of it, and made her request known to you. And by your goodness, you blessed her. And you simply told her, just like Sarah, that in your perfect time, that's all Hannah needed to hear. And she turned to worship. Sarah had the same opportunity. But she accelerated her own destiny. Father, help us to be patient in your goodness, in your timing, that you're sovereign. And so much of what we fear, we can't even see it's it's made up in our mind and in our heart. Father, thank you for your long-suffering with us. Just pray that we can find our humility, that you're in control, the faith to respond to your promises, and the joy just to continue to worship until it comes. And we know then it'll be exactly what we need when we need it. As the music plays, as the Lord leads you, Maybe it's a good time to come and surrender and the destiny you're trying to, to walk and to find. Maybe find God's for you. The altar's a perfect way to become or to get back into humility, acknowledging who and what God is in your life. You're here today and maybe you haven't addressed the greatest promise we've been given that's our eternal life in Jesus Christ if you're here today and you can't say for sure that you've heard the clarity and the simplicity of the gospel for your life and not for sure there's a time or a place that you accepted Christ don't pass on that promise today we got Men or women privately can take you to a side room and share with you how you can know for sure God's eternal love for you through Christ. That's the greatest promise we want to take and walk away with today. If we know a time and a place, we know our eternal securities in Christ, then our job is just to walk in the patience of the Lord's will for our lives. Follow His destiny. Don't try to accelerate our own.
Lord, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful day, for all the people assembled here today, servants, your people, Lord. We thank you so much for the blessings you bestow upon us. Jesus, those that are traveling, those that are sick, you know their needs. Danger, protection around us at all times. Thank you most of all for faithful servants here. God, bring your word today. Thank you most of all for Jesus who died for our sins on the cross. 